Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhouse, and we are joined by our panelist, TJ Van Toll. Hey, everybody. And our special guest today is Jennifer Fu. Welcome, Jennifer. Hey. So, Jennifer, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, why you're famous, and what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast. Oh, my name is Jennifer Fu. I'm a software engineer and a specializing front-end developer. I have over 20 years of working experience in enterprise software. I built a lot of softwares in the AI, machine learning, storage, security, and in many areas. So I actually love React. I built a lot of React projects. And especially, lately I'm working on the Web3 and the React 3.js. So today, I'm, I'd like to talk about how great 3.js it is. Well, that's fantastic. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So maybe one of the things that you could start off by telling our listeners is what 3JS is if they're not as familiar with it. Okay, 3JS is a library. It's a 3D JavaScript library. This render a 3D contents on a web page. So it's not just a, a dot, a line. It's a 3D library picture. You see modeling. It's like an animated movie. It is created very easy to use across the browsers, 3D library. So you can use it. It's very easy to use. You just write a few lines code and everything, boom, working for you. It's just like seeing a movie. <laughs> Well, if I'm remembering correctly, 3GS is built on top of, it's WebGL under the hood, right? But yes. I, I think like the reason is WebGL is kind of rough to work with directly. So it's a library that makes it easier. Am I remembering that right? Yes, correct. Like uh, WebGL, you can join dot, line, and triangles. Then you have to use all these primitive elements to build a complicated one. You have to write lots of code. And yep. the 3.js put everything together. So you just write a few lines code, everything work underneath for you. Very cool. That's awesome. So how does how does 3.js work with React applications? Because I know that there's, you know, mm -hmm. some map-related packages that don't play very well just right out of the box. So is there any mm -hmm. kind of integration issues with React for 3.js? Well, you can, there are two ways to do it. You can use 3.js directly in React. So you just uh, use React the way called 3.js and render it. Well, it works well, but you have to take care of a lot of things. Like, for example, you have to listen to resize event. When the browser resize, you have resize with it. You have to 
dispose the object, you not use it. It works well, but there's another alternative for you. It's called React 3 Fiber. That's a render built on top of the 3.js. It takes care of all this for you. So it's very convenient to use. And also you can write it in React way, use JSX, and it's so convenient for you. That sounds awesome. We'll put it into the show notes for sure for anybody who's interested. So can you give us some examples of when you might want to use 3.js? Like what is it really good for? Or you want to show a, a image look like a real world. So you, you can have a modeling. So actually, one of my articles talk about it. You can get any 3D model. It's a GLTF format. So you just import it. You can put there. You can change it, rotate it, and you see it's real. I think it's good to put in a website. You can show your website very up-to-date. And also it's interesting, right? It's, it's, it can show more things. And I think one of the projects I worked at used the network topology, used 3.js, it's a build the connection. It's a, it looks very sleek. It's a much better than you draw one line and line and connect them together. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of cool. interesting because I've, I've run across these sort of things in the wild decently often, and they're always like really cool. Like it's something that, especially for like your company's homepage or your product's homepage, like you really want something that catches people's eyes and attention. And when you see a really cool 3D visualization, like you can't look away, right? It's just like the human response is there's something moving on the page or spinning or animating. You, your eyes are drawn to that. So if you're looking, if you have something about your product or whatever that you want people to focus on or see, something like this is is a really, really cool option. Yeah. And also on top of React 3 Fiber, there's another package called React 3 J, which is a help function and make it things even simpler and cooler. Like you talk about animation, right? So usually you write animation, you think, wow, it's a big thing. It's very complicated. But in the React 3 Fiber or React 3 J, so now you just, hey, just one command. You do the orbiting rotation. Your camera can rotate automatically or rotate by your mouse collection. Or you can make the object to rotate, use, use frame, just one call. Everything is there. Yeah, I'm wondering, the the one cool one that I actually don't know if this is 3JS, but GitHub.com's homepage is really, really cool. It's like this animated this animated 3D globe that shows when commits are happening, like all around the world, and the globe spins. And mm -hmm. like I said, I don't know if that's 3JS or WebGL. I'm actually mm -hmm. not totally sure, but it's, it's the sort of thing you can build with this sort of thing. And it's just really, really cool. I'm mesmer I, I can't even look away right now. I'm just <laughs> mesmerized yeah, it, by this thing. It's actually from the CSS. You already can build a very cool animation. And uh, the 3.js make it even easier and even more complicated animation. So Jennifer, how did you get started with 3.js? Was it something that was just kind of interesting to you? Or was it something that you actually got to use in, in a a job or a production application? Well, I had a, a project I used to use it for the network topology. Mm -hmm. And uh, currently I'm writing for Medium for all the things I interested or the technology I use that work. And I also talked to Edit. So it's Anna Pen. He actually had a 
conversation with me, talk about uh, what's the cool things. Then we actually talk about three digests and say, hey, why not I just write it now? This is how we started. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great reason to to get into anything. And it's it's awesome that you can share and kind of give back and help people, help other people who are interested in getting started with it. Yeah. I like to teach people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of teaching, I, I've always thought this technology is cool, but it still feels very intimidating to me. Like I've, mm-hmm. it's 3JS is cool because it makes it easy. It's like, oh, I can build a circle and it's spinning and it's so cool. But the gap between that and like something that I would feel comfortable putting on like a company's website or, you know, something important is quite a bit, right? Like, so one challenge I've had with it is going sort of beyond the basics. And I'm wondering, like, if you're building something like this at scale, like do you, man, like do you reach out to designers that have experience building with these 3D models, or because I feel like this is you're almost stepping into a whole new realm, right? Because like I don't yes. even know what like design assets would look like for something that's in three <laughs> dimensions because I've never I've never done that before. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering like what you've ran into like once you get beyond simple examples and like what processes you go through or any tips you might have. Well, I think it's kind of like learning everything. You start from small, start from simple thing, right? So yeah. that's how hey, I have the article series. You follow the series, you can see the first one just started with Read Me. It's nothing simpler than that, right? <laughs> then you yeah. go a little bit more, a little bit more. So write about, okay, so you put a Read Me to put in the Create React app and boom, it works. Then you add more. So, hey, talk about 3D model. Before you de- design a 3D model, you can get a free one, right? There's a website to provide a lot of free ones. You take it and give the credit for the author, and you just use it. It's very, very cool. Then, uh, yeah, you go to next. Okay. It's uh, right about, hey, how about a texture? You put a, a texture on the rotating one, right? So it's a cube. So you put it on it. Then you, yeah, it, it works. Then, okay, so you, the next step, you can put on the environment to say, okay, you put the image over a surface, it works. Then, how about the uh, surrounding environment? You imagine there's a cubicle there and you put a different picture. Then you have a reflection or refraction, either way. So, I think that the Cool things is say you build it a step by step. If you do it gradually build up, you don't feel it's difficult, right? Then you suddenly go back and say, hey, everything's so easy, so natural. And also, yeah, we have designer to work us all the time. Even I build things, I have opinion, but it's very specialized technology technology and knowledge things. So we have a designer to to propose the things and we give feedback and work together to make it a nice sleek on the web page. Yeah, the, the, this article, I've, I've been skimming through what you have here as you were talking and it's sort of fascinating. I really like this approach because you bring in a 3D model and the 3D model is basically its own component more or less in, in React, but then you can work with like the 3JS primitives around that right like mm-hmm. you're you almost have like a 3d model that you could now control using react terminology which feels way more approachable to me like i feel like oh well i can i can do that i sort of know what mm-hmm. i'm doing so i really like this approach <laughs> yeah yeah when i'm writing articles i think one thing to say it's very approachable and i think i get a feedback from my re- readers too yeah 
It's very easy. Sometimes you look at you look at title, wow, it's a big thing, right? Do you actually read the article, follow it? I think it's easy. It's not that difficult. Yeah, and I imagine too, like when you're so starting with the the free models is a really good idea because, like you said, there are some out there. You can find one that you think is just fun and start toying with it. And I imagine too, there's I'm sure there's freelancers out there that if you need like a custom built 3D model, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I've I've learned this and now I'm ready to deploy something. I'm sure there are people out there that you can hire and say like, I need a model now that's mm-hmm. customized customized to my needs. Because I think that's a skill that most developers don't have. Like they're not going to go into, I, I mean, I don't even know what tools you use to design <laughs> 3D models. <laughs> but I yeah, imagine there are people yeah. you can reach out to for that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, usually when they give the free model, they also have the contact information so you can talk uh, to them yeah. and get them help you. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Blender. Um, if you've ever mm-hmm. seen that, which is a, uh, I think it's a tool for doing kind of 3D modeling as well on the web. And it's mm-hmm. really cool looking because Josh Komu is the one that I'm thinking of who uses it for all of his kind of his website, um, not animations necessarily, but just like images and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it kind of feels like the same thing. So they may both be using WebGL under the hood just in different ways, but that, that I think is the kind of person that you might look to if you're wanting a very specific model. It's not just a cube or a circle or a sphere or something like that. Yeah. So actually, I did some drawing, right? If we use a hand to draw and see, it takes so long. There's so much effort to make it realistic. So I think, oh, wow, sometimes programming makes it a lot easier and you make it changing. Sometimes you just change some parameter. It's very very powerful and efficient way to draw images and modeling. Cool. We'll definitely have to keep, put some links in the show notes and help people. So one question that I had and, and TJ kind of led into it is what, what do you think are some of the best resources for getting started with either React 3 Fiber or with 3JS? You mentioned a little bit the documentation. Is that a really a good, still a good resource for people? Yeah, I think that the, they, like a 3.js, they have a website. They have very nicely documented all the APIs. They also have a cool examples. Sometimes I'm amazed by the example. It looks so real. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Are there any other tips that you have for people that are are new to it? Like anything you've learned through the process, like places to go, things to experiment with, just any other tips in general? I think I just say try it. Don't afraid to make a mistake and try out something. You know, it looks so difficult, but after you try it and a, a step by step, you know more. Then go back and say, hey, it's not that difficult, right? So after you understand something, it's always becomes easy for you. And after all, programming is not that difficult. And the reactor makes things simple and 3.js make it even simpler. So how do you know when you need 3.js? Like what kind of um, either story might you pick up or a website feature that you might be working on where you're like, this is what I definitely need to reach for 3JS for? Well, you want to have a topology, you have some, you want to show something in animation, or you want to show a cool process, right? Workflow or things, then you need a 3.js. Okay. I think to some interactivity, I think that what's cool about it is that you can, that's what separates it. Cause I mean, you can do a video where you show off like you know, anything in video format, but with 
the ability to make things sort of interactive or changeable, right? Like I can make it so I press a button and my model rotates or the lighting changes or whatever, which is you can't do with just a straight up video. So I feel like something that you want to, you, you don't want to just display a static model because that could just be an yeah. image or a whatever, right? So it's got a, mm -hmm. some bit of interactivity in some way, I think is where it really stands out. Yeah, I guess I've never personally worked on anything like that or had the need to use it, but I mm -hmm. kind of want to try it out now. <laughs> yeah, especially some landing page, you really catch the reader's eyes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Paige, I'm already thinking of ideas. We need to start to pitch after this. Like, <laughs> we're going to need the next <laughs> month <laughs> to, <laughs> to redesign yeah, the home page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I write for the medium, right? The first... Uh, most of the things that I could study the heading image. Now I say, hey, the image you can do animated GIF, right? After create the 3.js, actually, I recorded and I made it a, the GIF. So, hey, it's nicer, right? It's more interactive, more interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jennifer, I've been looking at your Medium articles list, and this is incredibly pr prolific. You have, a, <laughs> you have a lot of articles mm -hmm. out there. So I'm actually curious what... What got you into writing? Did you just want to share your experiences or like, I, I, I'm just curious because there's a lot here. It's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I work, right? I currently work for a Domino Data Lab. I do the work for them. I, I did part of design. We have designer, but I work with it together. We, we discuss what to do and I write a code and uh, implement it. And well, I have a problems, right? When I do the designer and develop a code, you have issues. Then you go research and figure out what to do, then I write the notes. So it's a lot of things from my working experience and from my notes. I say, hey, I can expand it some more and then let more people to read it. Isn't that cool? So that's how I, I do writing. Besides, actually, I personally, I like writing. I, I wrote stuff. I like teacher. I have been teacher for a short period of time, and I actually do some writing. I even wrote some novel in Chinese. But all this skill, right, can be come together. Now I say, hey, I have this notes. I expanded these notes and make the articles. So I give set a schedule for myself. Try to do once a week. You know, I try to discipline myself to to learn and to share. That is awesome. And that, it, like TJ said, you have so many articles that would probably everybody would find useful. I mean, it looks like you've done everything from in-depth React articles to 3JS, as we were talking about, to some stuff about Java and Swagger and mm -hmm. micro front ends and VS Code. I mean, there's a little bit of everything in here. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote a book about the Java interview a few years ago. Then I found out, oh, wrote a book, it takes too long, right? Article, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fast. You have some idea, the next week, it's already there to meet the readers. <laughs> I think that's that's awesome because I've discovered the same thing. Like, I can't, if I if I have to, like, if I have to write on a certain topic, I'll I might take forever, procrastinate on it. But if it's something mm -hmm. that, comes up at work and it's like oh and you have that that spark of inspiration then i can write that up if i do it fast right if i do it like later that day or the next day like man i can write that up in no time at all whereas if i just arbitrarily pick a topic at random like 
it goes way slower. My writing isn't as good. So it's it's really like has to come from some sort of like something that happens, right? Like you said, your work experience or or something that you run into because that gives you way more of like a drive to write these things, I feel like. Yeah. So you said that you work for a company called Domino Data Lab. They do a lot of AI and machine learning. So can you give us kind of an idea of what you what you do in particular there? Yeah, the company is doing the, they do a platform for AI machine learning. So AI machine learning, you have a lot of algorithm, you do training or things, you need to store data. You need mm-hmm. to you need to be able to retrieve data and do the training, and you should be able to retrain the same data and sometime later. So it's complicated, right? You have managed so many things, and the Domino Data Lab just centralized everything together for you under one platform. So everything is reachable just on the website. So I built this UI. So I work with a, a lot of talented UI engineers. And we architected the platform, how it works, and build all the components and make it work. You know, we, we actually do the, a lot of great stuff. We, we build the UI common components. We build a storybook. We also use a chromatic to make it, you know, the chromatic manages storybook for you. So every time you always have a brand new one. So you also have the components. Maybe someday we can make it open source and share those components we build. That would be cool. (laughs) Do you get to, I'm curious, do you get to work with, like, do you have some of the problems with just huge data sources on the front end or is that mostly happen is that mostly handled by like back end processes that process that data yeah i said well the engine is always a back end right so yeah it's always a challenge so how the ui do the lazy loading for them right how do yeah. you partially show things but give users the feeling you own the everything whole data yeah so i'm here with jd from raygun jd why did you start Raygun? You know, I, I started Raygun. It was actually our 11th product that we built. So, you know, if you're a fellow software engineer thinking you want to build something and build a business, this was the 11th try, right? And we built it because way back when I was writing more code for customers, I used to instrument my code to send an email to myself when something went wrong. And it would let me kind of get in front of the issue before the customer complained. And so we built a, a whole product called Raygun for crash reporting initially. Uh, it expanded out into other areas, but it was really just building a full solution to what I'd been doing years earlier to try and build better software. I love that. Just scratching your own itch. It makes a ton of sense. And, and I do that too with some of the stuff that I'm doing, either with podcasting or programming. Yeah, absolutely. The, the most awkward thing was when we actually instrumented some of those prior 11 products. And that's when we realized that about 1% of users will ever actually report an issue. And you go, oh, we might have been a lot more successful earlier if we'd known that. <laughs> so that's kind of the whole value prop of Raygun. Yep, absolutely. And it, it makes sense just to put it in there. So folks, if you're looking to try something like this, that'll tell you what your problems are, go check out raygun.com and get a free trial. That, yeah, I could see that too, because it's it's funny. 
you probably have lots more experience than most people when it comes to like loading indicators and such, because some I like Paige <laughs> and I both have some limited experience with ML processes. And like, sometimes those can take a while, like just com- out of complete necessity, right? Like, because uh, mm-hmm. it's just processing enormous amounts of data. So do you run into those situations more? Like, I, I imagine like you probably have some long running processes that you have to handle on the front end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you have the notification, right? You yeah, well, you don't just wait to finish. You have, well, you always yeah. give the user feedback too. It's running, it's doing, make sure it's there. And it's how long, approximately, you need to wait. It's very, it's hard to give the estimation based on lots of facts, right? So you have a computing power, you have sharing resource, but still constantly update the progress. It's always very helpful to users. Yeah. Do you have like, do you, are you like pinging the back end for like, like some status of like how long a process has been taking or like, I, I just like API wise, I'm curious, like if you, mm-hmm. if you're, if the user is kicking off a process that takes like, let's just say estimated to take five minutes, are you, mm-hmm. is your back end returning like, uh, this is how long I think it will take? Are you like pinging the back end periodically to see like how it's doing or how far? it is along like do you like how do you handle those sorts of situations or web it, sockets maybe yeah there are two ways right one is the pooling so you see hey what's the what's the current status how much you already accomplished or the other yeah. one just like a web sockets right you got an event so you keep updating with the new new coming status situation yeah. And when you so when you notify people, do you do it like like web like push notifications or you just like put up like a little banner in the in the corner that just says like, hey, your thing is done and like maybe a link to see the results or something like that? Yeah, actually we do both. It depends on the use case. Something is very important for user. We actually have a progress bar right in front of your face, right? See, hey, this is this. Well, you can walk away to go to other page to do it. Some less important, just like you said, put a corner as something. If you want to see it, you can open it, see detail. But it's it won't take your main real estate area. You can still do other things. Very cool. I'm looking up looking up your website right now <laughs> to look at this because uh, TJ, even more so than me, has used another one called Edge Impulse, and I'm so now I'm curious as to what the differences are. Is there like a an easy to get started developer or free free tier if you want to start playing with this kind of stuff? Yeah, I think we have the 30 days of free trial for the website. Nice. Very cool. Now I'm just checking out <laughs> the website. <laughs> so you you talked about the component library that you're working on and uh, Storybook and Chromatic. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with those tools? Like uh, you know, why Storybook, why Chromatic, and like maybe some of the ways that you're using them? Well, Storybook is always nice. You build a component. So you want to put it somewhere to show, right? You may not want to show your actual UI or it may not even be available. Somebody even building it, right? The backend developer parallel with the front end. So you want something you can see, play, and try, test it. So Storybook is a great tool for that. And uh, well, you every time you have to build a Storybook, right? For developer, maybe it's just one command. So for me, it's nothing, but sometimes I have to show the designer what it is, how it look like, 
they are not a person to to just run a command, even a command line in the yeah. console window, right? So <laughs> yeah. I have to build the website for them to see. Chromatic coming very nicely for that. We actually have automatic build. So every co- time code change, automatic build a new chromatic. And you have website to see it. Also, the nice thing, it can show the difference, visual difference. So you have the last storybook at this one and what have changed, what is, you know, the visual diff. And also you can do the, all the testing. You, you know, mm-hmm. unit testing, always a cool thing to catch up issues. So you can have very early stage, right? So catch, catch the problem. So every time when we're pushing a change, so the chromatic just build a new storybook and make sure everything work well with the unit test case. So it's a very great tool nowadays, right? You have a lot of tool to help you to build the things. Yeah. And regression testing for those visual differences, I think is still one of the hardest things for people to solve. I know that I've definitely been in that situation more than once. So that's awesome that Chromatic can actually start to do that because there are not a lot of there still aren't a lot of good solutions for that. So that's very cool. Yeah, I'm actually curious, has Chromatic worked out good for you? And like, because as far as I understand, right, and listeners might find this helpful as well, but Chromatic is supposed to be like the automated part of this, right? Like Paige yes. was saying, right? Like my button changed height, was that expected mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I know like I've, I've, I've limited experience with this sort of thing, but I know like the tricky part is like false positives because like the but it the tool complains the button changed, but it's like, oh, but the button was supposed to change, right? So <laughs> I'm curious, mm-hmm. is like, are false positives a problem for you? Has it, has it like actually found like issues, like problems? I'm just curious what your experience is, has been like. Okay. Actually, I wrote about a chromatic and a storybook as well in my media <laughs> articles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, for the unit test case, it's a fail. It's a serious problem. You have to fix it. It's very obvious. But for the visual difference, they don't stop you. They just show you, like your button change. Okay. Yes, it might be a regression. It might be the intended behavior. So they mm-hmm. show you a difference. They actually put it like a yellow color, a warning color. So you, you can ignore it or you can go there and review it. So it still needs some human process. You review it. You can accept it or you can reject it. Ah, cool. So does it like it's part of like your CI? So like when you did like a PR or something like that, it it would just give you like a link where you can. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is. So you said that when you're using Chromatic, it actually publishes the storybook to like, does it have its own URL that you can go and check out all the components and see these changes? Yeah. So for every build, they have a like a different URL, but they have the the virtual one, the like the final one. It's always a redirect to the latest one. So the other things is not only you can always see the latest one, you can always go back at any version to check what's there at that time. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that would be. I could see that being super helpful, not only for the developers but also for the designers if they're doing like a a QA test of some new feature that's being implemented. That's that's very cool. Yes. Yeah. We all like it. <laughs> <laughs> How was the integration actually setting it up? Were, were you building like a new application or was this integrating into an existing app? It's integrated to existing one. It's a, It can be integrated to the CR process too. Nice. So uh, looking at your the 
<laughs> just the list of things you've covered. I think we could talk to you for three or four hours here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we could talk uh, about React for a whole day. We, 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 we could go on it. <laughs> we can go on just about every topic possible. But so I'm, I'm just going to pick out some things at random that I personally find interesting. And you've got an article too about how to excel at coding interviews, like you know, modern sort of coding interviews. And I think you know, it's it's really fun to look at because you go over some things that you wouldn't typically think of like hey zoom is the normal coding interview platform now mm-hmm. right like so they show up professionally and things like that so i'm curious what made you want to write about this and also maybe you could cover some of your tips because we do have a lot of listeners that are looking for jobs all the time so maybe mm-hmm. you could share some of these these tips for people that are are looking and interviewing in 2022 yeah, I think uh, I had some interview experience. That's how I can write this. I actually interviewed, uh, yeah. I've been interviewed by other people. I also interview other people through the Zoom. I think Zoom is a very good way, right? So it's easy for you. Otherwise, you have to drive into a location. It might be very far. You may lost because GPS never identified exactly which door to get in. <laughs> you might be getting nervous, right? So with the Zoom, you know it's expected. What to expect at the exact time everything goes on. So you, also, it's very easy to for you to you know to run the program. I think one thing that changed. I have been like a go to interview site or interview other people. So a lot of time you could hey, stand up writing the whiteboard, right? It's hard yeah. sometimes after you're typing the code so many times on the computer. It's, uh, I think I already lost my handwriting <laughs> or things. So now it's uh, mostly like you do like a code sandbox, you write it and it's running. It's give you a debugger information, all the things. It's like a, your real development. I think if you, you actually, it's just like your day-to-day interview, you know, your day-to-day work interview. It's nothing really special. Just you tackle a problem at work. So calm down. Don't be nervous. And you, you use your own laptop. It's a familiar environment, right? It's very cool, you know? Actually, it's more like yourself at the interview. So you probably, hopefully, you can excel better that way. <laughs> It's funny because you said like to drive to interviews, but I remember back in the day, because I'm, I'm from Michigan, that I had friends, coworkers that were they were interested in getting jobs at like the big tech companies out mm-hmm. out in California and such. And they would fly out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like cause, cause yeah. back in the day, like that's the way you did it, right? Which I think those companies still ha- might have those for like, you know, the final interview. They want to see people in person. But mm-hmm. I, I had friends that flew out there for like introductory sort of interviews and stuff and it's like man like the hassle of that is just it's funny how silly that seems just like 10 years later right because because now it's like it's so easy to just jump on a quick call and and do this and it's it's interesting though because like you said that it sort of changes how you prep for this sort of thing just because of the Mm -hmm. like the process like what you're going to go through you're probably not going to be in front of a whiteboard you'll be on like a virtual (laughs) it's an entirely virtual process Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah also i think the funniest thing i mentioned the dress up you only dress up the top right you want to show people (laughs) (laughs) you can't even wear pajamas you know yeah just find your best shirt Wash your hair, you know, whatever, shave, <laughs> shave or makeup or whatever, whatever you got to do. Yes. Oh, no. 
That's probably one of my favorite things about being in a fully remote company is that it doesn't matter that I'm wearing shorts on the bottom as long as my top (laughs) looks okay. (laughs) Yeah. What else have you got in there, TJ? Well, there's you also mentioned for interviews some platforms that I had not heard of before, uh, like Mm -hmm. Code, Geeks for Geeks. Do you want to cover like um, maybe what some of these things are and why people might find them useful? Because I hadn't heard of these things. Hacker Rank looks like there's a bunch of them. So I'm just curious, like uh, maybe you could introduce some of our listeners to some of these platforms you've maybe seen or or used before and why people might be interested in it. Well, Lead Code and uh, Geeks for Geeks is for preparation. So, well, everything I practice makes perfect. So it's the yeah. same for interview too. So right now, you know, most of the company actually test you, even the front-end engineer, you will be tested with algorithm as well. So you need to pick up the knowledge in college, right? And keep refreshing it, do the algorithm for the best memory usage and the best timing. So it's kind of necessary. You just for beforehand preparation and a hack the ring or the other things, right? So that's for the interview process. The hack the ring is say, hey, you, you go there, you don't even first around, you don't see a real person, right? So you deal with the virtual environment. So if you're not reach the bar, you're out. So it's also for a company to save the effort. So you have to go there, you know, and talk to people at least good enough for the situation. So this is just saves time. Some I have interviewed a lot of people. Sometimes it's it's a, it's a waste time, right? So you, you talk to people totally irrelevant, right? So waste both people's time, you know. I think it's good to weed out the things people not qualified. And then they also have the website called Carrot. It's a, it's a kind of mixture of the human and the, the, the automatic environment. So they designate a person to look at you and uh, you just do things in front of them. So they watch you. And after you do it, they ask you question how you handle this, that. They record the whole process. Then they mail the whole package to a company, let the people to review it. Oh, wow. That's, oh gosh. I, I will say like that's intimidating, <laughs> but I can totally <laughs> see how that would, th- I can totally see how this would help, right? Because yeah. I've been, I do things like speak at events and run run events all the time. And after having done it for a few years, I had a speaking, I worked with a speaking coach for just like an hour or two and had her like review some of my stuff and to do some tips in person. And it's amazing what having just an external person look mm-hmm. at you and then also you reflecting on a video of yourself too, which is painful to watch, but you can learn <laughs> yeah. so, so much for just from going through the process. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard, uh, but I can totally see the value of that because you can absolutely learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all also- need to adapt, right? Adapt a new way of interview after the <laughs> situation. <laughs> Also, I've been looking at Leak Code, and this platform is really, really cool because they give you like problems to solve, and then not only problems to solve, but you have this drop down. You can solve it in like twelve different languages, which is mm-hmm. pretty slick. So, if you want to just test your language knowledge, or maybe if all you care about is JavaScript, then you can just do these all in JavaScript. But and they also rank them from like easy to hard, and the hard ones are <laughs> intimidating me <laughs> quite a bit. So. Oh, yeah. Some of them are <laughs> yeah. really, really tough. I mean, they'll they'll show you like 
how your solution stacks up against others in terms of optimization after you've solved it. It's it's intense and really frustrating at times. (laughs) It's fun too, right? (laughs) After you figure out how to do it, after you reach the you know the high percentile of performance and memory, you feel proud of yourself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the ga- I mean, game of, you know, it's funny because you can know it's being gamified, but and also know that it totally works, right? Because you yeah. you do get sucked in of like, okay, well, I got to get a streak going, I want to see if I can get harder ones solved. And so if, if you're mm-hmm. someone that your brain like, w- likes that sort of thing, because I know I certainly work that way, like it, like platforms mm-hmm. like this can make it can make it fun, you don't even necessarily know that you're learning stuff about how to solve problems, it can just be a fun a fun way to spend your time and try something out yeah and especially you have a hard problem that you think about suddenly you got a great idea right you're so excited for that (laughs) (laughs) well jennifer you have awesome you do have a a ton of articles do uh are there any other ones you want to highlight like any topics that you think our listeners would really like to to hear about anything that comes to your mind is is something you'd really want to share. Yeah, actually, in my article, I write about a lot of React. And uh, I use a lot of Create a React app. It's very effective. So as, as thanks for Facebook created this software. It's very useful. You just uh, one command, download it. You have the whole complicated React environment. And I wrote a lot about the different React technology and also experiments like a micro friend. That's another topic I have been used to work on it. So you can have a multiple application running and sharing the same code. It's a complicated task because a lot of companies use that. Since, you know, you have a legacy code and new code, you have acquisition for things. How do you put these things together? It's well, challenging and exciting too. There are many, many things in technology. Where, you know, this, I, every week I can write something. I can always find an interesting topic to talk about because there's so many problems to solve. Yes. You know, sometimes things are hard. I say, oh, it's just so difficult. But after you resolve the issue, I feel so excited, so that's why I write it. I want to share with the people. So, you know, it's, it's I got a lot of things from my coworkers, from my friends, right? and from the people online I don't know. Some people even re- leave comments on my article, give suggestions, or some correct even my grammar error, and some say, <laughs> hey, this is a better way to do it. It's all about sharing. Right? So we learn together and grow together. That's fantastic. And that's a great way to approach it. You know, some people, I think, take that feedback a little bit more personally and are like, well, if you did it this way, it must be wrong, or this is how I would approach it. But it's nice that you take it very gracefully and keep an open mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's how you learn, right? Because every one person look at the scene, no matter how good you are, you always look at the limited angle. A second pair's eyes always will see something different. It's actually, I found a great way to learn because if you put out what you think and somebody, it's a great way to attract smart people that know that topic really well. So if you look mm-hmm. at it that way, right, if you say something wrong and you get the creator of the tool to jump in and, and talk to you about what you did wrong, well, that's awesome, right? I Like mm-hmm. sometimes I, uh, there's a popular saying too that mm-hmm. the best way to get help on a technology is find like the forum that pe- people go to and say something very wrong because <laughs> if you if you do that like it's it's almost like puts out a signal for everybody that likes or uses that technology they'll just like jump in and the, all of a sudden they'll answer any <laughs> questions you have right because so 
it can be a great way to just learn in that sense because you attract uh, you if you write about something people mm-hmm. you attract people that know it to, to either say good job or comment or give you feedback and but all of that means you're learning throughout the process yeah actually i'm also take some class from Coursera. so actually i'm currently listen to a class about the creativity. One thing about creativity is just you need to talk to people very different from you. Hear the voice you usually don't hear. They can inspire yeah. your creativity. That's great advice. And a great way to do that is to listen to podcasts, right? Like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just like this one. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, Jennifer, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. If if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach you on the internet? Well, on the Medium, I give my LinkedIn the profile ID. They can click and reach me. Awesome. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance. I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, I think that this is the section of the show where we move into picks. So TJ, would you like to start us off with a pick for this week? Yeah, so I'm going to pick, this will be a sharp pivot from our chat, but I'm going to pick Teenage (laughs) Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. This is just a a game that's coming out. Actually, I'm picking it before it's released, which is also a a very dangerous thing to do. But it's, it's like basically a remake of the turtles like arcade games that were popular when i was a kid so for me this is like a big nostalgia thing because these are the games i remember playing in arcades uh, when i was young and somebody saw a smart opportunity that's like hey we can make a console version of this because it's going to be a switch game a playstation game an xbox game uh, and what's cool about it is it's, it's a six player co-op game so you can have up to six people playing so that's cool for me because i can have like my friends my kids play with me so i'm pumped about it i'm gonna be playing it the first day it comes out um so if you <laughs> nice. it, I think it's probably only for people that also see this as nostalgic right if you played these games as a kid this is this is a game made for you so that is that is my pick nice so i will say that my pick for this week is going to be i may have already picked this in the past at some point but it's been a while so i'm going to pick the great british bake-off on netflix um and there's Gosh, now there's probably like 10 or 11 seasons of it. And I've just been watching the the last three or four seasons just over because I've mostly forgotten what these people baked the first time around. And it makes <laughs> me it, it it is so inspiring to see the stuff that they can make in a day or half a day and really makes me want to become a better baker. And it's just like enough drama that it's exciting, but not so much that I'm just completely worn out because there are plenty of days after work where I just cannot take that much. (laughs) So if you're looking for something that is really cool and really gives you a much greater appreciation for what you can buy at your local bakery or in your your local grocery store, I would definitely say check it out. Maybe you'll be inspired to become a patisserie chef after you watch some of this stuff. That's cool. Yeah. 
is. So Jennifer, do you have a pick for our listeners? Yeah, my pick is the Baltimore Museum of Art. I pick it because I just visited a few weeks ago. It has a, it's a pretty large scale, very nice collection. It's located in John Hopkins and it featured a lot of the Henry Matisse work. It also has a Picasso, Van Gogh, all those big names you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And it is, also has a modern art exhibition somewhere. It has a monitor on the wall. The display there, you can even sit on the floor watching it. It's, it's a movie. It's kind of video things. It's art. Yeah, I think, wow, a picture, right? Use a three dots to create something <laughs> and show up there. It's a visual art. And uh, someday it may be there. I'm dream about it. It's cool. You never yeah. know. Yeah, yes. I mean, I think more things move digital, right? Like, why not yes. have like some sort of virtual display, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's still art. And Absolutely. also, it's a modern art, right? It has a color yeah. space. And that's what a three dot is great. Good at it. And I sometimes use a draw. You set some parameters, something just like a modern art. It's so fresh. It's so cool. So creative. You know? <laughs> Awesome. That sounds like a great one to visit. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us today and thank everybody for listening. We will see you on the next episode of React Roundup. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great fun to share everything with everybody. Absolutely. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.